Welcome everyone to another episode of the Good Milf Podcast. Good Milf Podcast with your host Krista. It's fucking wild. Test, 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 test. Okay, so what the fuck? Before we start the meat of today's episode, you may have noticed last episode, Jay and I were supposed to take a break and reconvene, but I ended up just ending the episode as a whole um, because we had got so sidetracked. Uh, The episode ended up being better than I had anticipated anyway, so I scratched the regular scheduled programming and just let it ride. So to recap, Jay from Hinge told us what is the ideal in a Hinge profile when trying to identify potential applicants to your life. And off the top of my head, they were like to show you were funny, that you were smart or an intellectual, and definitely he said upload recent photos, sans filter. Um, I mean, I'd ask for the same thing when looking at a man's profile, so I don't blame him there. Um, I did say to also include that weird hobby that you really love or something that you're like really passionate about, no matter what it is. Um, all of my recent matches that have engaged with my like weird hobby prompt have become really good friends. Will something romantic come of it? Who knows? Probably not. Um, I mean, it's not because of them. Well, I mean, essentially it is, but because, you know, no one should be dating me, I think. Um, no one should even have a crush on me. So, I mean, if you have a crush on me, you probably need to see a therapist and heal all that because right now my odds in healthy versus toxic suitors are not very good. I had to end um, a variety of toxic relationships because, well, duh, I'm not vibing with that energy. So there's that. Anyways, back to Jay from Hinge. All right. I had asked him to come on the episode so that I could help him get in touch with his feminine side. He was He's very like raw, like caveman, vegan man, you know. I mean, he is my therapist now, but that's something else. Um, yeah, but that was pretty much a little recap of what happened last episode. Um, we're still going to go into the conversation about receiving and giving because it's actually really important, I think, in all relationships, honestly. Oh, you know what? So recently I had some time to reflect on my life as well. I've had two weeks off. Um, not my choice, by the way, the first week my daughter and I had bronchitis and we were on the verge of pneumonia. Um, so that wasn't cool, but you know, what's wild is my boss didn't believe me. I had to get doctor's notes for both my daughter and I completely understandable, right? But when my boss messaged me, he had highlighted that he wanted the entire note, which I thought was odd thing to emphasize because I mean, anytime I've ever given him a sick note, which is never, um, I've always given him a whole note. So of course I'm going to infer this is that he wants to know my diagnosis, which yeah, that wasn't happening. I don't give a fuck what's wrong with me. Um, you don't need proof of my diagnosis and that's like just weird anyways. Like I didn't even know what the concern there was in that aspect. Um, But my daughter and I both ended up being on antibiotics and steroids. 
Um, I think in some of my episodes, you can actually hear my voice be weird. I think it's like still weird now. But what was good about that situation, my daughter and I actually got to spend a lot of time together. Um, She leaves soon to go to her dad's and his family. So it was actually kind of nice. I mean, I did almost go fucking crazy a few times. But I definitely had some moments where I was like, wow, that's my daughter. I have a child. This is kind of cool. Um, But in the same sense, so after that weird text exchange with my boss, um, I was having such a good time at home, even though me and my daughter were sick, I distanced myself from work altogether because, I mean, well, one, I wasn't being paid, you know, I don't have any more PTO because COVID, vacations, my daughter, appointments, you know, it's like normal life shit, you know, and normally I'm a workaholic. I have like, well... I had no issues working job shit, you know, my personal time. But I was like, you know what? I don't get paid enough for this shit. So I was like, I'm just not going to answer any fucking anything having to do with work. Um, The whole time I'm thinking, though, all is good because my boss got a stupid fucking note. Uh, Me and my daughter are sick, but at least we're spending, you know, quality time together. But nay, nay. On payday. The Friday of that week, when I go to check my bank account so I can figure out my budget and bills, um, I noticed my direct deposit didn't go through. And I'm like, oh, that's odd. Um, So, of course, what does any person do? You contact your coworkers and ask them if they got paid. And they all did. So I'm like, oh, shit. This is weird. I'm going to message the VP and see what's going on. He doesn't answer. Um... So after 15 minutes, I message the president of the company I work for. She responds right away, telling me the vice president, her son, um, has a paper check for me. But me, you know, the only reason I know why your employer would cut a paper check um, was if they were firing you like on the spot. So I like straight up asked the president of the company if that's what they were doing. Um, She says no. Um, And all she says is that the VP has a check form, paper check for me, and that's it. All right, so this is weird anyway, because I've always had direct deposit, and I've been working there for over two and a half years. The VP contacts me about 30 minutes after I had initially texted him, and he tells me he wants to see me in person and to bring me my paycheck and to talk about my future at the company. Um, Also noting that I've missed a lot of work because of being sick or my daughter being sick, etc. So this is a little suspicious. Um, So after utilizing my FBI level questioning and prompting skills, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he basically stopped my direct deposit to try and force me to see him in person. Um, I told him holding my paycheck was illegal I gave him the little Virginia code it was. Um, Yeah, that shit's illegal as fuck. Your employer can't hold your paycheck for any reason whatsoever without your permission or without a court order. Um, And he didn't have either. Um, I call him out on this. He's like, I'm not holding your paycheck. You'll get it today. Um, And I tell him, I'm sick. I don't know how you expect me to get it. And he says he was going to bring it to me. And I'm like, okay, I don't feel comfortable with you coming to my home. He then asks me to meet him at a nearby coffee shop. But he forgot the whole part where I'm still fucking sick. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm legit on medicine. Like, fuck off. Like, I'm 
this is insane to me. Um, you know, and in the messages, he's going on about how much work I've missed. Um, like, I'm a fucking single mom. If my daughter is sick and I can't go to school because her fever is above, like, whatever the limit is, I'm going to have to stay home. That's just what happens. If I'm sick, I'm definitely going to stay home. Um, and it's like COVID times. Like, I'm not going to come to work sick. Like, no way. Um But yeah, I told him I needed my paycheck and requested he give it to a specific person in the office so that they could deliver it to me. Um, I received my paycheck a few hours later, cashed it, and all is well. Or so I thought. There's a goddamn hold on the check. It was wild. I have no idea what's happening. Um, So I tell my boss, I'm like, yep, there's a hold on my check. And this pay period is when I usually pay the daycare bill. So now I can't do it. Since I can't pay my daycare bill like I plan to on every second paycheck of the month, I can't come into work because I can't pay my daycare um, because the way I budget my money, I this paycheck is specifically for my daycare bill. Um, like, that's what happens. Anyways, he told me I needed to get a note from my bank that they did, in fact, put a hold on that check or something like to that effect. And I like, he honestly thought I, I thought I was being punked, but he was serious. So I'm like, Oh my God, what the hell's going on? I feel like I'm in a parallel universe. I was like, let me just entertain this idea. Um, cause I don't really give a fuck what the USAA does cause they held my check. So if they write the note, whatever, if they don't, whatever. Anyways, um, I dial up USAA. The person comes on the phone. Her name's Miss Patty. Well, she told me her name was Patty, whatever her last name was. I started calling her Miss Patty. She was an angel. Miss um, Patty answers the phone. Uh, you know, I have a direct extension now. Miss uh, Patty wasn't going to let someone pick on me. After I gave her the 411, she was like, oh, no, no. And I included the whole story, even about me being sick and all that other, like everything that was like, the catalyst to the current situation. And you know what? I actually hope that shit is um, recorded. Like I can't wait till their next training session where my call will be used as a training scenario because it is the most bizarre scenario ever. Um, Anyway, so I tell her the story just like how I was telling you guys and she legit says, just tell him the information that he's looking for is on our website. I was like, oh, okay, so you don't want to or you can't write a memo or email telling him anything or calling his bank to verify the funds. Miss Patty said, no. Is there anything else I can do for you today, miss? I was like, oh, no, that was no, that's it. That's it, Miss Patty. Thank you. So, I mean, I was weak. Even the USAA lady knew he was being shady and was not and she was not even going to entertain the demands he was making to me via text, which was fucking wild. This is like the most bizarre series of events ever. Like, anyways, so I've had the two weeks off, hence probably why I've been meeting my deadlines for the podcast. Um, but anyways, so that was a fun little story time about my life. Stay tuned because I do have a meeting with the VP tomorrow. So let's see what happens. Um, cause yeah, cause I really just missed about two weeks, two and a half weeks of work because of all of that. But yeah, anyways, so back to regularly scheduled programming. 
yin and yang. So doing a quick little recap, I can't even talk, doing a quick recap to refresh our brains, yin. It's the receptive principle, feeling or receiving like water. Water is soft, fluid, and adapts to any obstacle in its way, aka feminine energy. Yang, the active principle, doing or action, like fire. Fire always motions upward, it's active, it can transform, very masculine energy. Not talking gender here, these are just like verbiage that's used in these contexts. Um, But anyways, sometimes as a woman, you have to utilize your feminine energy as a weapon. Or I guess like not really like a weapon, like an asset. No, I guess it would be like a weapon. Yes. Yeah. We are, you are a warrior. Use your feminine energy as a weapon. Hell yeah. Anyways, it's just like how the patriarchy uses money as a weapon. Same fucking thing. But yours comes from within and it's free. But anyways, so what are these feminine energy traits? So yin is anything where you are receiving, whether it's it's something tangible or not. Compliments, conversation, dick, you know, whatever. Um, Some people would say submissive is in there with the feminine energy, but it's definitely not it. Feminine energies are centered around empathy and nurture and connection and support. None of that being submissive. Um, because the empathy and connection and support is very a maternal um, instinct. It's very fierce and strong, like a, like mama bear. Um, but like some examples based on more concrete thoughts, um, how would someone respond with feminine energy like in some kind of verbal exchange or texting or whatever? Um, if something triggers anger or sadness, you're going to wait to respond. You know, you don't, your initial reaction isn't really going to probably be the best response when you're angry or sad, um, because you do need to process first, center yourself, and then you'll be able to effectively communicate. Being understanding and empathetic, having, all of this is really having a high emotional intelligence, honestly, um, you know, even though you're in this feminine maternal energy, you don't get taken advantage of. You do have your boundaries and your expectations. Um, but, you you know, the traits, you know, the feminine energy traits are very similar to emotional um, are very similar to traits of someone with a increased level of emotional intelligence. And hello, EQ is sexy as fuck. So like while like I can't wait to meet a guy that grew up in like but in an emotionally healthy family with like clear boundaries. Can you even imagine? Uh, or at least like healed traumas already. I don't know. A girl can wish. Um, a lot of times, you know, but you can only get into your feminine energy when you feel secure or safe. When people don't feel safe, they enter this like survival mode. And honestly, survival mode is really like the root cause of every human behavior that would hurt another. You know, that's the fight or flight mode Um, is that survival, like need to survive versus like thrive in your environment. 
And survival mode is part of masculine energy. It's the hunter, you know, the yang, the action, the assertiveness, confidence, the logic, the objectivity, you know. But here's the thing that's cool and all, but you only have a limited amount of energy, like masculine energy that you can exert. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, since masculine energy is the action, you can only, like, you can only exercise for so long, right? But in regard to feminine energy, there's an infinite amount of receiving you can do. So in regard to, I don't know, positive affirmations or people telling you you're in perfect health or, I don't know, super fit, like, I don't know. Um, There's an infinite amount of things you can receive in regard to that. This all goes back to relationships where resentment starts between a couple when one person feels they are giving more in the relationship than they are receiving, i.e. this is like when the honeymoon phase is over, um, like quote unquote, the dating has stopped. I mean, we've all been there. That's why, you know, that's why you have to keep the like el pasión going. Um, you have to keep that spark, that spark in there in your, in your life. And when it comes to love, um, there was actually a team of scientists, researchers, they identified that romantic love can be broken down into three categories, lust, attraction, and attachment. And each of those three categories had its own like cocktail of hormones and chemicals. It was all different. Like say, for example, lust was um, um, had to do with testosterone and estrogen. Attachment had to do with oxytocin, you know, stuff like that. Like it was its own, each aspect of love had its own chemicals associated with it. Completely fascinating. But make sure you spark all three though, because I mean, that sounds fun as fuck. I mean, shit, look at all those chemicals. Like in attraction, there's dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. Fuck, you're getting all that shit for free. Drugs are expensive as fuck. Anyways, but the research showed that there was a positive correlation between adrenaline and attraction. And again, I remember attraction is dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. As the level of adrenaline in the body increases, so does the level of appeal in another person. So their appeal, their attractions. So this basically means to jumpstart or create an environment of attraction, you need to create scenarios that would produce an adrenaline rush. Um, I think there was a study done. It's like a super famous psychological study. Um, it's like done on victims or like groups of victims where some type of life or death situation happened. There were several survivors um, and a lot of the survivors, some of them ended up being together romantically because of that adrenaline attraction aspect and that life or death situation. Um, like don't fucking fake a life or death situation when you trying to fucking spark your adrenaline rush. That's stupid as fuck. But I mean, go to like, go ride some roller coasters, join like a rec sports team, like kickball, uh, go bungee jumping together, like something fun, you know, and honestly being self-aware to understand that, um, that that's needed in your relationship is sexy. Just means you have a high EQ also, Um, And honestly, what I get from all of this is that you're either going to be in a perpetual survival mode or um, a perpetual sexy mode. And I'm choosing a perpetual sexy mode. Um, 
I feel like when you're in a survival mode, you're just going to attract others that are in a survival mode so that you can basically try and survive together. Um, Unless, I mean, you're in like, unless you're healthy and you've healed that part of you. I mean, look up any fucking psychological or PTSD book, like trauma will trigger trauma. In romantic relationships, you know, the triggers is how toxic relationships can manifest, you know, and then so you now you have these two people in this relationship survival mode. Um, It's a fucking trauma response, honestly. And it's like, ugh, we have to heal that people. We need to dig deep in there. Um, Anyways, but so, you know, you're all up in your feminine energy as a woman. While you shouldn't be looking for a man, you should honestly be just like living your best life and letting all things come to you. I don't know, sell all your fucking belongings and move to a foreign country. I actually have a friend who's like kind of doing this and I think it's fucking amazing. Um, If I didn't have a daughter, I would totally be doing it with her. I I shouldn't even invite me, but I'd just be fucking going anyway. All right, so back to relationships. So in order to be in your feminine energy and your receiving energy, you need to need something. This is where you can use this as your asset because, or your, what did I call it earlier? Your weapon. That's right, your weapon. Anyways, most men need to feel they have a purpose. You got to give them one. I mean, keep the purpose simple, but like give them a purpose. This is just how men, like biologically, this is how men are. Um, I mean, I mean, essentially everyone needs a purpose and it's because we need to feel appreciated, accepted, you know, stuff like that. Um, women usually already have somewhat of a purpose as in being like more nurturing, you know, whether it's like a child or like a pet or like plants or women are just normally biologically having maternal nurturing instinct, you know, and that's part of that feminine energy. So I read a bunch of different books and resources for this episode and I basically consolidated the main kind of virtues um, that were expressed could help nurture a relationship with your partner, specifically a male male partner, most likely hetero cis male. Jesus, fuck. Anyways, I mean, I love hetero cis male, but I don't know, saying it like that just like pisses me off. I don't even know why. Anyways, drum roll, please. One ask his advice. Literally, this is what all those books said. Support him emotionally. I mean, that's facts. I want to be supported emotionally too. Um, And thank him. Right? So here, I'm going to say only thank him if he deserves it. Just don't be like throwing thank yous out there. Like you, you know, it's not fucking anal. Um, Well, I mean, you shouldn't be throwing anal around either. I mean, what the fuck am I trying to say? Um, be conservative with your thank yous, just like you're conservative with your anal. Remember, anal is only for holidays and presents. Anyways, he needs to feel like some type of acceptance, you know, so that he feels safe to share his emotions. Again, um, to show acceptance, you know, that has to do with emotional intelligence again. One thing that I thought was interesting noted that he needs to know explicitly what makes you happy, 
like via simple instructions and boundaries. Like, I like when you help me do the dishes. It makes me happy when you do this. I'm grateful you X, Y, Z, like direct, simple instructions. And you know what's fascinating about this? They teach you this when you go to teacher school. This is how they teach you to talk to children. And I think that is utterly fascinating. I'm not even lying. Um, yeah, I don't take what you want from there. I don't feel like elaborating right now. Anyways, but I think a good way to assess potential EQ early on in a relationship is to figure out the relationship. I'm just gonna do it as if it's a guy because it just makes it easier for me to talk. Um, you the, you're going to figure out the relationship with his family. So that's going to tell you about his attachment style. Um, you're going to want to find out what he's passionate about, um, like basically what sparks joy in his life, a la Marie Kondo. If you haven't seen that on Netflix, watch it. I mean, if he doesn't know what sparks him joy, you're going to send him off to Goodwill. So, And how he talks about his passions will also identify if and what makes him happy. Um, and I think lastly, like really just like self-awareness on their own personal development and growth. I think this is also associated with like mental health and self-care, all very, very important. So basically, if you have a high EQ or your partner has a high EQ or you both, well, essentially you both have to have a high EQ to have a healthy as fuck romantic relationship. Well, I guess if one can kind of teach the other. Uh, anyways, and you know what that makes me think about? Ooh, yeah, I have a fun little life tip. Well, I guess more like a flirting tip if you don't know how to flirt. This is one of my favorite things that um, I love doing. Um, and the guys I've done it to, they love it too. They fucking die for it. It's when I give them like their own outrageous nickname. So I met this one guy. Um, he was actually really, really cool and super funny. I'm actually going to try and hook him up with my hygienist, hygienist, my dental hygienist. I'm not hooking her up with that guy. I'm hooking up her friend. Well, I'm trying to. The girl hasn't messaged me back yet. Oh yeah, the guy. All right. So the guy, um, he, you know, I meet this guy. He was like, yeah, I'm Richard, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's talking for a little bit and he asked me a question. I ignored the question and I'm like, oh my God, can I call you Dick? That's your nickname, right? Like that's what people call you. One, he was confused. Um, two, he thought it was like the funniest shit ever. And he was like, you know, no one ever like that is like the nickname for Richard, but no one says has ever really said that to me like that. I was like, oh, okay. So that's actually a really fun thing to do. And, you know, I also do this. You can do this with anyone basically wearing a name tag. I mean, but read the fucking room. Like, don't be giving people nicknames that like you don't have a good rapport with. You know what I'm saying? And well, anyway, the use of nicknames comes up a lot in relationships and there's statistics and research done on this. And it says that um, couples that do use nicknames are happier because the nickname comes from like a micro moment of happiness. So, I mean, even in general, when your parents or friends uh, give you a nickname, it was a fun moment in like the days of your life. You know what I'm saying? And those moments are basically happy because there's an essential equal amount of giving and receiving in those situations, you know, and this all goes back, you know, that balance, yin, yang, feminine, masculine, um, and all the research showing, you know, what is a good predictor of high EQ. And I mean, and that's all we want. We just want healthy as fuck relationships, you know? Oh, here's another one. Um, 
that I read about that would be a good predictor of potential long-term partner. So um, this can easily be done via text, phone, whatever, but definitely in person is the best way to test this. So let's set the scene. Imagine you're at a little sidewalk cafe for brunch, slamming Bloody Marys on a date, and the most adorable dog walks by. Um, Unnoticed by your date, but you say, that dog is so fucking cute. What does your date do? Does your date acknowledge what you just said, or does he kind of just ignore it and like is like talking about other shit? You saying something about the dog is called a bid. So a bid is any attempt from one partner to another for attention, affirmation, affection, or any other positive type of connection. And it could be simple. It could be like, you know, like blowing a kiss, or it could be like advice or asking someone to move something, or just like how I said, it could be just the you observing a cute little fucking dog. Um, a study was done um that followed married couples for several years. I think it was six years. After those six years, the couples that had remained married had answered their partner's bids 86 of 86% of the time, while the marriages that ended in divorce had only acknowledged bids 33% of the time. And that's the average, by the way. So take that fucking big ass chunk, like this is a definite indicator of relationship quality, stability, and all that good shit, you know? Um, And honestly, I'll probably admit it. I've had in my relationships where I've basically ignored certain bids, I was being selfish, you know, in the sense that like whatever I was doing in that moment felt more important. Um, But being selfish, we really can't help that because, you know, scientifically human or mammals in general are going to be selfish. Um, humans are, mo- and all animals, I'm going to say, are motivated to act selfish in terms of self-preservation. So, I mean, that's something to think about. Honestly, I feel in the 21st century, though, marriage is almost just an economic decision at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, love is more important. But when that love dies, shit. That money is going to be a very important factor in your divorce. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. But anyways, like, who said we had to, like, get married, find jobs, buy homes, have kids and shit like that? Like, who made that fucking rule up? Ugh, stupid. But hint, it's the patriarchy. Um, oh, my sister just texted me. She wants me to set me... She wants to fucking set me up with a guy, like... Who the fuck said I wanted to be set up anyway? Like, I'm fucking busy. I've got, like, work, my daughter, fucking corporate espionage, supposedly. My fucking, all my hinge experiments. Like, what the fuck, man? And then, like, seriously, like, talking about, like, doing all this research on, like, marriage, divorce, all these statistics, and, like, giving, receiving, resentment, and whatnot. I've actually found my way to wild breakup story TikTok algorithm. And I had to save this one because this shit was fucking wild. I was like, I had, this is nuts. Anyways, so this girl is about talking about how she caught her ex cheating on her by finding emails of him messaging men on Craigslist to suck their, you know, dicks. And then when he got caught, this is the, this is the best part. 
When he got caught, he pretended to be a demon named Bathim, and he strangled her to try to get out of his lie, his cheating lie. Like, what the fuck? At this point, literally just take your L. It's okay to be gay. You just shouldn't be cheating on anyone. All right. But yeah, I mean, why is all this giving and receiving yin yang feminine energy and relationship talk important? Well, I, I will tell you, I found this Twitter thread going around on social media about how most men were admitting they didn't marry the woman they loved. So hello, I got intrigued because duh, this sounds hella fucking juicy. Uh, the Twitter thread, the girl shared a lot of messages from men confirming the theory on marriage when it comes to when men feel they are ready to get married. So essentially the Twitter thread was basically about how when men when men feel they're ready to get married, they literally just not pick the closest thing nearby, but probably the most ideal person that they would want to be the mother of their children potentially or their, you know, life partner. Um, that's not always the woman that they love. A lot of the men talked about the one that got away was the woman that they truly love. And when they were ready, that woman fucking moved on. So, oh, it's wild, you know? And I've actually heard this same thing echoed in real life amongst friends that were or are married, um, divorced, or even in long-term relationships. Um, I think, you know, everyone has like their own great white buffalo. If you don't know what that is, please watch Hot Tub Time Machine. There's a whole scene about the one that got away, poetically personified in this rare sacred animal, the great white buffalo. And I'm not going to tell you why I'm whispering it. You're going to have to watch that scene. Anyways. Oh, I mean, we've been talking about fucking red flags, green flags, how to keep your marriage going, how to break up, whatever. This is something fun that happened. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't happen to me. I was there when it happened. Um, I wasn't part of it at all. Um, but I was a witness. But anyway, um, on a military base, there are like barracks, which um, a barracks is essentially like a dorm room building, I guess you could say, for service members or like little mini apartments. Anyways, so this this girl I knew, she thought her man was cheating on her. Um, so she waited until she thought that her boyfriend um, was with the girl. Um, she had her suspicions. Um and technically in the barracks, um, I don't know how it is in America, but overseas, you're not really supposed to have like um, overnight guests. All right. So it's on the verge of sunrise. Someone pulls a fucking fire alarm um, on a goddamn military base at the damn barracks. So a lot of people got caught that night. Um I know because I was there. I mean, like I said, I wasn't cheating on anyone, so I didn't give a fuck. I was there with my dude. Um, but I'm sure this can be replicated at a hotel, motel, or any type of building where they would have to physically clear out the rooms and kind of, I don't know, I guess not take attendance. I figure they'd want to at least know you were safe. Um, but yeah, that shit's wild. You can also use this as an escape plan, I feel. If you're in someone's house and you didn't know they had like, a girlfriend or boyfriend and you pulled a fire alarm to escape with the crowd. Sorry, I watch way too many fucking movies. 
Um, but so if you do, though, pull the fire alarm so that you can escape with the crowd. Yeah. As far as the cheater that you didn't realize had a boyfriend and girlfriend, make sure you steal something from their house. Like because fuck him. I mean, like, nothing big, just like a, like a crock pot or like his favorite hat, you know. Oh, God. Can you tell my 2021 dating life has been like shit? Oh, my God. I hope 2022 is better for me in the dating department. But until then, I don't know. Maybe I'll just start selling my farts in a jar. Yep, that's a real thing. A woman from one of my favorite shows, 90 Day Fiance, um, does this. Uh, She makes six figures. Um, Yeah. So there's that. Uh, See you next week. In the meantime, I'm going to go look for jars to buy. You've been listening to the Good Milf Podcast. Join us every Monday as Krista talks shit and gives free advice based on firsthand experiences and scientific research. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on all platforms. Visit www.thegoodmilf.com for our latest updates and merch.